0: Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Well, it's good to be in the house of God, and I'm excited to preach today. As you, if you were here last, uh, last Sunday, we, we kind of went into the series about Christmas carols. I think a lot of times when we come around, like right after Thanksgiving, we start to hear all the carols on, on, the, on the radio, and sometimes they can be extremely annoying. You know what I mean? Um, but there's, there's certain hymns and there's certain, certain songs that have such powerful, you know, stories behind them, and we wanted to really kind of bring them to the forefront. And every single time you hear that song, to remind you of the intention of that writer behind the song. Um, I know a lot of times, even in church, we get into this constant sort of, you know, complacent place in our life where we, we start singing and um, today, we're actually going to talk about the, the song, Come All Ye Faithful. And you come to church and like, i all ye faithful. And you're just kind of like barely like moving your lips because you're, and you're like, man, this is so much more important. And, and the, the words in there say something like this, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Joyful and triumphant. Like, that's very different from a lot of times when we sing these songs. You know, and so I wanted to just really pause here and kind of put a spotlight on why we should come with joy and triumph, you know, it says to come to Bethlehem. Why, what's the point of all this? What's the point of that writer that, you know, wrote? Um, so, I know that especially around Christmas, we get into this habit of, oh, I have to do this and I have to buy things and I have to make sure that I visit my mom and I have to do all these other things. And you can be overwhelmed at times. You can be so overwhelmed at times that you just get to a point, you're not very joyful to be around. You know, you're not very triumph. Like you don't have triumph in your life. It says, come all you faithful. And you're like, man, faithful to what? Because I have so much things happening. And then Pastor Yuri says, this is what we're doing for Christmas. We have a concert, we have a prayer, we have this, we have that. And you're like, where do I fit this into my schedule? Because my schedule is already like filled with stuff. So we, a lot of times we can get into this kind of habit of like faithful. What do you mean? Like I'm barely trying to like make, 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 make sure that my, my boss is happy, yeah. uh, joyful. What are you talking about? I, I'm just so overworked. You know, and it's so difficult to be joyful, and and I don't know if you how you came in this morning, but if you had a bad year, if 2018 has been a bad year for you, maybe you've lost someone, maybe you've been going through a, a really rough time, or maybe you you're dealing with with sin in your life, where you're like, man, I I should be so much farther ahead than I am right now. What is happening, God? Are, are, do you even listen to me? So to speak of triumph, God, I, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to show up. I'm just trying to be present at least. But I want to remind you that our triumph is not necessarily when we feel triumph. Our triumph is not declaring the triumph that was done on the cross through Jesus Christ. That is our victory. And, and when we look in the Old Testament, when we look in the New Testament, you're going to see the same thing over and over and over. Is when God, God's people start to worship when God starts to show up. And I don't, you know, I don't know how you came in. Maybe you don't feel faithful or joyous or, you know, maybe you feel a little bit on, there's not much to be triumph over, like we're to declare triumph over. Can I tell you this morning that God took care of all that? And all we have to do is just proclaim that over our lives. Yeah. I want to play a video in a second here of, of kind of like what can happen at Christmas. This is an ad, it's a commercial, but it's based on, an actual story, if you go on YouTube, you can see like, a lot of different documentaries on this. This happened in 1914. And it's a story about a, a truth between the Germans and the uh, Allied forces. And it's just amazing story of, of two forces fighting against each other. And there's this place in the middle called No Man's Land. And no one is allowed to even like, get in here because they would shoot at each other. And then Germans started to sing these, these carols a holy night, and so on and so forth. And as they were singing this, the, the English started in their own language to to sing that. And there's this day, it was Christmas of 1914, where the two forces started coming together and they weren't shooting at each other. They came in peace. What an amazing story, I think, even for today, where you have things how they ought to be. Not 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 how they are, but things how they're supposed to be. You see, God created you in his image, and he created us to live in peace. But along the line we we, we miss the point. We sinned against him, and as in our sin, we we place the whole creation under a curse. And now we have rare glimpses in the midst of war and all these things that are happening where people are hating on one another. And because of the brokenness of, of humanity, we have glimpses of the things how they ought to be. Glimpses of peace. Now, the Hebrews, they have a word for this, and it's, it's it doesn't do justice because the best way that we can translate this word is peace. But the word in Hebrew is shalom. You know, and they would go up to one another and say, Shalom, like they would greet each other that way. And, and Shalom means peace, you know, being calm. Shalom means to, to have this like tranquility, harmony, wholenessness, completeness. That's what it means. Obviously, like we don't really have like a word to say that in the English language, but they would greet one another and say, peace be with you. In other words, what they would say to one another is that I want the best for you. So I was thinking, maybe we should practice that this morning. Could you just turn to your neighbor and say, Shalom? Now, turn to the other person you didn't choose the first time and say, Shalom. And I think that's important, because I think this word encompasses what ought to be. There should be peace on earth. Shalom is when people that are in power don't abuse it. Shalom is when men treat women with dignity and respect. Shalom is when kids raise up in families where, where the parents, you know, enable them to be the godly people they were called to be. That's shalom. You, you know, people growing up and, and being architects and doctors, that's what was supposed to be in flourishing in that. Someone built this building so we can come together. Some engineer designed all, I mean, some architect designed all this and the engineer made sure that it doesn't collapse on us. That's what happens when everyone starts to exercise the gift that God has given them to create things and bring about the things into existence that that weren't there before. That's what shalom means. Shalom means that when you go to Christmas parties, you actually don't talk about and gossip about one another, but you come together and you laugh together and enjoy each other's presence. That's what shalom means. And it's not like, oh, what's the comment they're gonna make this time? That is what shalom means. But we've lost that. It's somewhere, you know. Now we have glimpses of it, and it's beautiful when we see it. When people say, like, even if I, because you do realize what's happening here, where you have two allied, I mean, two forces come together, and both of them, all those soldiers, they can be tried for treason. For stepping in no man's land. They could be tried for treason. They understood the consequences, not even counting the fact that if they were to pop their head out, they somebody could shoot at them. And they could get killed. But they were brave enough to say, you know what? What unites us on Christmas Day is so much bigger than this war. It, it what unites us countries, you know, and different races is so much bigger maybe some of them really kind of remembered what the bible says in isaiah you know 9 6 says this for a child is born unto us a son is given to us the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called listen to this wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace his government and its peace will never end he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for, for all eternity. So, so, so when we think that we, God, we need you to intervene, we need you to, to make him move on earth and bring peace, and we were hoping maybe for a system, a set of principles, and what God is doing, he sends us a child. He sends us something that is, so, okay, what does a child do other than, you know, eat, go to the bathroom? Well, can't even go to the bathroom, you know what I mean, though right like and sleep but he sends us this amazing person jesus now of course in theology we understand that jesus wasn't created when he came here on earth jesus is god eternal he's been here with us since the beginning well not with us (laughs) he was before us and he's been there from the beginning if we couldn't use that word because god doesn't have a beginning and so on and so forth but what I want to say is this, is that God decided, he saw the brokenness amongst us, and he s- decided to send us a gift. He decided to share with us his goodness, his peace. And he asked, who will go? And Jesus, his son, stepped up and said, I'll go for them. Now, it's interesting. I've, I've seen these plays at Christmas that one of them specifically is so powerful, where There's this guy, he is in a barn, and as he's in this barn, he sees this dove that keeps on like hitting the wall or hitting the the window, and he cannot get out. And no matter how many doors he opens, this dove cannot fly out. And he tries to chase it, and then he steps on the rake, so he gets like whammed. (laughs) And and after that, he just kind of gives up, and he sits on this box in desperation, and he says, if I could just become a dove, I could lead this dove out. And the point of the play is this, is that God became like one of us. He became, he took the frame of humanity. He took the frame of of a human being and reached humanity. I, I think that one of the best ways that I've heard this put is by some modern day philosophers called Hillsong band. Uh, <laughs> they're actually a, a, a church band. Uh, we sing a lot of their songs, but they, they have this song called The Arrival. And they talk about Jesus arriving here on the scene. And, he, and they say this, who is God that he would take our frame, the artisan inside the paint, or uh, we'll breathe the very air he, his breath sustains, the architect inside the plan. The one who had no start and knows no end became confined in time intense. The everlasting God, the great I am. God embraced our frame when he graced the world he made. All hail the divine uh, in a manger. Love embraced our face when the playwright took the stage. All hail uh, the arrival of our maker. What a powerful analogies in here the playwright took the stage the one who wrote all of this became like one of us the, the 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 painter became the paint and he become he became as one of us the architect inside of the plan this is the hope of christmas the god understands your pain and maybe you don't feel joyous this morning or you you don't feel faithful or you don't feel like you you you've triumphed well, Jesus triumphed, and he says, I know the pain. I, I can sympathize with you because I've endured exactly what, you've, what you're going through. And I love this passage in Hebrews where it says that Jesus understands our pain because he, he's the high priest that actually went through the same, you know, the same walk that we have to walk daily. So come to him. What an amazing way of putting it. He became like you and me so that he would bring hope and restoration in our lives. What an amazing way of looking at things, and we look here. We see here in Romans five eight. He says this: "But God showed us His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God, uh, and we're in God's sight by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Condemnation, for since our friendship with God was restored." by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies. Listen to that. While we were still his enemies. Let me put that in perspective. We were on this side, and God was on this side. We were at war with one another. We were enemies. And Jesus is the kid. Is the, well, I couldn't call Jesus the kid, but think of a representation, the stepped in the no man's land. Jesus is the one who said, I'll go. They will kill me, but this is worth it. That is the hope of Christmas. That Jesus, while we're still enemies of God, while we still hated him, he came for us. And he said that how great his love is for us. You know, John 3:16 says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then in the Romans, the last verse in this says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Jesus has made us friends with him, with, with, with God. So I want to give you four things that Jesus will do in your life. The first thing that I want to tell you is the first thing for God to actually move in your life, you have to come to Jesus. Jesus says this that you know he calls upon us to to no matter what you're dealing with, in Matthew 11:28, 28 he says this, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus understands that maybe this morning you came here and you're tired and you're exhausted and jesus says come to me all of you who are weary jesus called people that were very different than who he was people that were sinners tax collectors people that were broken the lepers that they couldn't really they couldn't really touch the lepers because the lepers if you if you became a leper at that time you had to yell leper here like can't, you can't approach me because they were unclean jesus plowed through all of that yeah. jesus stepped through regardless the the racism the cultures the all those things that were happening in that moment and said i came here for you yeah. and in this moment i i came here that you might receive sight i came here that you might receive healing And this morning he's saying this, that you might think that you came here because someone invited you, or maybe because you were here just because that's something you do on Sunday morning, but he is here to encounter you. He is here to take away the burden. He, He is here to say, come to me because I know what it's like to be weary. So we have to come to him first. We can't see a change in our life unless we come to him. And the second thing he's going to do is Jesus will make you faithful. A, you see, faith is given to us. It's not something that we just sort of muster up. It says the faith comes by hearing and hearing his word. Faith in itself is a gift. And in Hebrews 12, it says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And we are to come and put our eyes on him not what on the our problems and i think it's so it's so difficult because when you um i call it the the, t- the tyranny of the moment okay when you are so overwhelmed with emergencies you can't really attend to the bigger things in life yeah if you have fires to put out they're like emergencies in your life they're like tyrants right like they just suck your attention they they, they want to make sure they you're you're glued so so you know, it's really hard to break away from that. And you're getting bullied by the next thing that you have to do. And Jesus says, you know, what What he said to Martha, and you know, says, Mary's the one who's actually doing what she's supposed to do, and that is to sit at my feet. Martha, you are just way too busy trying to get things ready. So, so my hope is this Christmas that you encounter Jesus. And the next thing you understand is that your faith is based not on how well you, know, you try to muster it up. Your faith is based on, are you sitting at His feet? Are you in His presence? Are you spending time? In, are you, in other words, what the, the, the song that we talked about, Come O Ye Faithful, are you beholding His glory? Are you beholding Him? You see, when you spend time in His presence, you cannot walk out of that place different. His presence changes you. And maybe, you know, you might still have people, people that hate you. You might still have your problems, but you come there with a new attitude, with an attitude of joy and say, so regardless of what's happening around me, whatever I'm dealing with at this moment, I don't care about all that because I have a joy that transcends. I have a peace that transcends all understanding. I've encountered the Prince of a Prince of peace. And regardless of all the, the thunder of, of the cannons the, and the, the battlefield around me, regardless of all that's happening around this field, I will step in faith and I will say, God, you are the one who's giving me peace. God, you are the one who's changing me, who's transforming me. God, I'm going to take a step of faith. And I don't care if I, I get killed in the process, but you are my hope. God, you are my hope. And you know what? Even if I get killed, at the end of the day, we still win. Because in the end of the day, this is, we're, we're doing these choices not for today, but in light of eternity. Tell that, bro. I am amazed I have some friends that they choose upon themselves to go to like China and <laughs> do missions there. And he calls me like, hey Slavik, could you just call me like through WhatsApp? And, and I'm like, why do all this work? And he's like, well, this is Slavik, like I have to do it because they're listening on the, every single phone call. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah. And I just don't want them to like arrest me for like trying to preach the gospel. We're having this conversation with you. And I'm thinking, like, what? Like, wow, this is this is crazy. You left the comfort of this amazing country to go to a country where you're scared that might, you might get arrested by talking with someone on the phone what makes people do that it's not our self-will and so on, our self-help it's him and his understanding that he's walked this before so this morning if you came in here with a problem in your family understand that he knows he understands that and the next point that i want to say is this is that jesus will make you faithful but he also will teach you how to have joy and, when he can, and I know that that's such a, a lot of times we we say, like, are you joyous? Yeah, I'm joyous. Like, it's, yeah, Jesus is joy. <laughs> like, it's, 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 yeah, I like, it's, I'm joyous, yes. How do you have joy? I've said this story before, but, like, when my dad died, like, I came to church, and it was Saturday morning at 5 a.m. He died, but then at night, I just showed up to, we had a worship service, and people are just like you're here and I'm like yeah and they're like well I mean shouldn't you be with your family like your dad just died and I'm like yeah I was there with my family like this morning and like we but I'm here because like right now I just need to be in his presence in this moment I need to be recharged because the whole day got drained trying to pour into my family and speak life into my family it was draining but I need to spend time in his presence and people come up to me a week after and like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm fine. And they're like, no, you're not. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I can barely know better than me. Like, are you sure you're okay? Like, and I'm like, guys, I'm fine. Like, and they're like, what? Well, your dad just died like a week ago. And I'm like, I'm totally okay. And they're like, how? And I'm like, because we've rehearsed this. We've talked about this. We, we know where our hope is. You know, when, when my dad died, I know I'm going to see him again. That is what gives me strength. Is having joy the one day I see him again. So, so you were asking me to not have joy, and the only thing that gives me strength right now is, is the joy that I have in Him. Yeah. So to abandon this very thing, it's, it's, what, what, what else can give me strength? Yeah. As I was, uh, was it was like Thursday night, I think, um, I, w- I was just kind of thinking about this, this message, and it was around 2 a.m., and I came across this amazing story uh, about another song, you know, another Christmas carol, you could, you could say, called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And then I started reading the story behind it, and I'm just like, what? Like, how did I not know this up until now? And I'm not sure if you do, so should I tell you? Like, I'm <laughs> just about to tell you. <laughs> like, but it's such a powerful story, and his name is, I think his name is Henry Wadsworth um, Longfellow. And he was actually, a, you know, he was a poet, and he wrote this poem. But in 1860, he, he is living in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he's just kind of like, there's the Civil War all around him. And as this is happening, as this, you know, there's politics, there's, there's war, you know, in the 1860, his wife is, he was, uh, I mean, she was, um, she was cutting the hair of one of her kids and then somehow one of the candles fell and started to burn her dress and the whole thing, the whole study just kind of like lit on fire and she kind of, she was saved, but the next day she died because of all the burns that she sustained and, and this, this guy, this poet, Henry uh, Longfellow, he, he said that the first Christmas, when the, after this happened, obviously he lost his wife. I mean, and in the process of trying to save her, he burned his face, he burned his hands. So from that point on, he kept a long beard because he was pretty scarred. And as the Christmas came, came alo- uh, along, he just had this, this very jaded look on life. Where he's just like, the kids are, are singing, you know, Merry Christmas, but that's not for me. A year after her death, he wrote in his diary that, you know, I can't really make a record of these days because I think they're better left wrapped in silence. Maybe one day God will give me peace. And, and it's, you'd think the things would get better, but then he hears that his son is wounded on the battlefield. I think his name is Char- uh, son was, was Charles. And he got wounded in the battlefield and they brought him home, and it turns out that a bullet actually pierced through his uh, shoulder and into the, his, the spine, so his son is paralyzed for life now. And as he's nursing his son back to you know to health again, you know he wrote this poem, and uh, you have the full version on on the app, but it, it amazes me. He, he writes, "I heard the bells on Christmas Day." Their old familiar Carol's play, And wild and sweet the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So it's like I heard this, so so the bells are are playing out loud because the churches they, they would ring the bells when there'd be uh, times of prayer. And as he would ring these, like he, he he heard this sound of hope. You know, and normally these bells would remind him of like christmas and the hope that we have on christmas right but he goes on to say this um, i'm not sure if you have it on there then from each black accursed m- mouth the cannon thundered in the south when with a sound the carols drowned of peace on earth goodwill to men and in despair i bowed my head there is no peace on earth i said for hate is strong and mocks this song of peace on earth goodwill will to men so as he is hearing these bells singing, he hears other vo- noises, and that is the, the cannons blasting in the south. And he hears the sound of war. And he's like, if I wasn't if I wasn't desperation enough, like, this is even more. He, he, he goes on to say that I, in despair by my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. But look at this this last kind of stanza that he has of hope. And he says this, then, then peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong will fail. The right prevail. So what, it, what does he do in this moment? He says in this moment of desperation, he writes these powerful words that he said, like, you know what? I know that my God is not dead. And I know that my God is not asleep. So go ahead and start like peeling those, those, those bells even harder. Because that's the sound of triumph. That's the sound that one day God will come and put to th- and back, back things how they ought to be. The things that, that maybe are not working now. I know that God one day will come and restore the peace on earth. He will come and restore what we were meant to be. He will come and restore the shalom that we talked about in the beginning where people will start to, to worship Him, where people will start to actually walk their calling daily. That is the hope of Christmas that we have. What an amazing hope that we have in Christ. I, I love this passage in First John fifteen nine. It says this, I have loved you even as the Father ha- has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my command- commandments, you remain in my love. Just as, obey, uh, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and I will remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So I'm going to call you to prayer in a few minutes here, but I'm going to ask you this morning that as we kind of go back into singing this song about coming all you faithful, joyous and triumphant, I'm going to ask you whatever you're dealing with to bring it to the cross. Whatever, maybe you thought 2018 will be your year and then life kind of hits you from so many different sides. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that is, you know, not in church and they're they're, they're doing whatever. Maybe you yourself have been sort of slipping away from your relationship with the Lord. And sometimes going to church, you kind of almost feel guilty because you're like, I don't know, like we're supposed to sing that. We're faithful and we're joyous. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel any of that. Well, you see, it's not about what we feel. When Jesus was on the cross paying for our sins, he still felt the pain that was inflicted upon him. As he was spread on the cross, he saw, I mean, he still had the nail pierced hands. His feet were still pierced. What I'm saying is, he was in a lot of pain. But he chose to forgive, forgive you and me. Yeah. You see, it's not about how we feel at the moment. It's about knowing the one day there will be payback for all the evil. Right. The one day God's going to bring justice and peace. The one day His mercy will reign, the one day He's going He's gonna to wipe away every single tear in our eyes. The one day his house will lim, I mean his presence will live amongst us. His temple will come and become the new Jerusalem. One day, all the evil, all the hate, all these things that you're dealing with on a daily basis will be erased. It's not, and I think a lot of times when we talk to people that are not Christians, or maybe they're even atheistic and they want nothing to do with Christianity. They're like, well, there's so much evil in the world. There's so much things that are happening in my life that I don't don't think God exists. And obviously, God is not really doing anything about that. And my response is, he's not doing anything about it. What about Jesus? He sent Jesus to restore who we were supposed to be. And maybe there's no justice right now, but it's not always going to be like that. One day, he'll restore things how they were, ought to be. So whatever you came in this morning with I hope you bring that to the cross so would you stand with me I'm going to ask if you are here for maybe whatever reason but if you need prayer we're going to have a prayer partners they're going to be in the back here I'm in the front here and then in the back I encourage you if you need prayer to step out of your comfort zone and say would you pray for me if you maybe are not walking with Jesus you are not you know living according to his principles, according to his lordship of your life, I'm going to ask you to come and say, Lord, I've been trying to do this on my own for a very long time, but it's not really working. Jesus, I need to encounter you this morning. God, I I need to see peace in my life. I need to see joy in my life. I want to see faithfulness in my life. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance and until next time, God bless you.